Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to today's episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Tatiana Sawyer, CPA, business owner, and author. This conversation was a lot of fun. We both share this common passion for empowering women and helping them reduce their anxiety around money. Tatiana's work in supporting and empowering entrepreneurs specifically as they're starting out is just so necessary. She helps women especially gain practical knowledge and confidence during what can be a very overwhelming and vulnerable time in their lives. So here's a little bit more about Tatiana. Tatiana Sawyer, CPA, is a numbers expert with 15 plus years of experience helping entrepreneurs and business owners become the boss of their bottom line. So many people dream about being their own boss, but hold themselves back because they're terrified of dealing with money, numbers, and taxes. And Tatiana helps those dreamers get to know their numbers, get taxes under control, and reduce money anxiety. She's now committed to sharing her expertise with a broader audience to empower those overwhelmed by running a business so they can make money doing what they love. In her book, Dream Bold, Start Smart, as well as her membership program, Something That's Yours, Tatiana provides her audience with simple and actionable steps to own their numbers and to be confident in their business decisions. Tatiana is the co-host of the popular podcast, Anything Would Work, and also hosts the podcast, Talk to Tatiana. These days, Tatiana conducts virtual trainings through top digital platforms and helps individuals around the world gain confidence while helping them avoid costly money mistakes. And in our conversation, we talk about today how essential it is for women to know the financial basics, what's holding women back from starting a business, the concept of mediocrity and how it is a choice that we make, working through imposter syndrome, and so much more. You guys can connect with Tatiana on her website, talktotatiana.com, and on all social media platforms at uh, Tatiana Sawyer, and Sawyer is spelled T-S-O-I-R. You can also check out her book, Dream Bold. You can find it on Amazon and any of the other major retailers. So, Without further ado, here's my conversation with the amazing and inspiring Tatiana Sawyer. Hi, Tatiana. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Megan. So I would love to start by having you tell the audience about yourself and your mission in the world. Sure, absolutely. I love to talk about myself. I mean, who doesn't? Um, (laughs) So I actually, um, I'm a CPA in New York. Uh, I run three businesses sort of by sort of, I mean, um, one of them is like, there's not much to do, but it's still, it's still work a little bit here and there, 
But my first and primary business at this time is my boutique tax and accounting advisory firm, where we focus on um, reducing clients' taxes proactively throughout the year. And we also provide a concierge CPA service. My second business is being an author and speaker. So I have a book that came out in March of uh, this year and um, kind of speaking opportunities and um, book um, opportunities are there. So I kind of manage that business as well. And my third business is um, a course creator slash mom career pivot coach. I've worked with moms and women um, as a bigger audience to help them potentially find something um, that they love and make money doing that. And that could mean, you know, changing industries, but that could also mean just making sure that you, if you want to start something on your own, that you do it smart. I love it. Uh, and I think there's such a need for that because there's so, especially now, I mean, if you have your, have you seen your business pick up in the last 18 months since, uh, since COVID have people started to shift getting out of the everyday day job and want to start acting on something that they've always been dreaming about? So I've definitely seen a rise in accidental entrepreneurs, so to speak. That's what the expression um, that was re- that really emerged um, because of COVID. But I've definitely seen a rise um, of those entrepreneurs coming into the world and trying their side gigs and side hustles. Um, I don't specifically work anymore with startups and um, early businesses because um, typically the most impact that me and my firm can provide is actually when the businesses are on the rise and they need business coaching in addition to the good quality compliance. So filing of taxes, ongoing bookkeeping, um, CFO service, concierge service, and so on. So, and the reason that, you know, and and I kind of stepped away from working with startups, but that's the reason I wrote the book. I wrote the book because by the time people get to someone like me, they've already, made some mistakes, maybe lost some money, maybe lost some time or both. And it's heartbreaking, was heartbreaking to see those, um, those things that could have been avoided with just a simple um, thing that they didn't know about. And so I wanted to create a book that's, that would have a bigger impact on those who are just dreaming about starting something um, and doing it smart and, and being smart about it and skipping all those mistakes and anxiety that come with uh, becoming an accidental entrepreneur. So it's really giving you those, a lot of the basic tips on how to actually do it. I'm sure you see so many women that say, okay, I want to do something. I want to do something different. And I get, I myself have that kind of entrepreneurial itch that I think about doing all the time. I mean, starting to do it with the podcast and I don't know the first thing I was just saying, you know, I don't even know how to, do I, do I set up a PayPal account? Do I need, and, and, you know, you were saying, do, do you have to structure it? Do you have to structure it as a certain type of business entity? And there's so many questions. And I think that all of those things up front are, it can be so overwhelming that it, it holds women back. It just makes them stop and say, you know what, I'm not going to bother with it because that's overwhelming to me. And that's the, the same kind of concept that I talk about with money here. It's like the numbers, the, the, if, if you tell yourself those stories that you're not good at it, it's going to hold you back in so many ways. And I think that's, again, you know, if you really want to start a business, but that's, that's always been your dream. You got to kind of get yourself in the right headspace in order to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of, um, I think we as women, especially when we become moms, that's even more prevalent um, 
that I've noticed is we are, we have all these fears and, um, and all these holdbacks that, that really, um, stand in our, we stand in our own ways. And, you know, to, we think there are certain thoughts, oh, you should go to college and get a job and da, da, da. And then, you know, entrepreneurship as a, as an option is never taught in a school or a college. And so a lot of people just fall into this default path where, um, oh, okay, I'm going to college. I'm finishing with a degree. I'm going to get a job for somebody else. And so there's not even an option. You know what? I'm just going to start a business. And so yeah. I wanted to cre- create a business classic, something that's a go-to roadmap for someone who wants to try things out. And it doesn't have to be a full-time business, but at least it will give you the skills in plain English to be able to help you, to guide you through, okay, where do I even start? Like, what do I even do first? What's second? What's important? What's not important? That kind of stuff. And so, because we, what I, what I found, um, and this is statistically, I believe, um, I've seen the statistics a couple of years ago, so I don't remember what the source was, but women-owned businesses actually make bigger impact because they're passion-driven. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, men are usually much more, um, I'm going to use the funny, funny word, ballsy, um, when it comes to nothing holding them back. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to take a risk. I'm just going to try it. Whereas we as women oh, I know it's a little risky. I don't want to try it. And it's, we, you know, when we become mothers, those fears and those concerns and the anxieties uh, that we never knew existed appear also in addition to us just, you know, developing insecurities as normal human beings do. And so, so I think that because of that, um, it's so important for women to know and to learn some of these basics. So even if they don't do anything with them, they still have them as an option. And it's a choice as opposed to being forced um, into following this default path that someone else built for you. Absolutely. And I agree that women run businesses are, are, I'm sure the statistics are out there that they're just more successful, but I think that there's so much to be said for that because again, very generalizing here, but women also are, we, I, myself, we create connection. And I think that is one of the biggest business strategies that, that you can have. You can't sit around a table necessarily and like strategize, this is how we're going to do it. But when you connect with your customers and your clients one-on-one and you truly care and have that empathy for them, that's how, who people want to buy from. And I think that is that natural kind of caring and nurturing, um, especially with moms way of being that we have is it just sets us up in a much stronger way to, to be successful in business. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I think we're, when women do, it just takes us longer because of all these holdbacks. Yeah. It just takes us a lot longer. And sometimes we don't get to do everything we wanted to do also because of these holdbacks, but our businesses are usually much more passionate and connecting uh, with other people as opposed to just a uh, business is business and personal is personal. I actually believe that business is personal. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. I think, again, like you, how, how, if you don't know your clients and you can't, and they don't know you, how can you, why would you want to buy something from somebody, you know, whether that's a product or service or whatever it is, what do you think are some of the, let's get into some of the mindset stuff now. Like what are some of the, the, the biggest mindset challenges that you see for your women clients that work with you around starting a business? Like what are some of those challenges, biggest challenges that women have when starting a business? 
what I found um, was, has been that there are a couple of things that actually are at play. Um, one is commitment. When you, when you start something on the side because you have a skill or a passion, um, you treat it as a side business, or even if, you, if it's not on the side, even if you're a mother and then you start a, a business you know, on your schedule, on a flexible schedule, we often don't treat it as a business. We often um, um, don't commit to it in a, in a full sense of that word. And what I mean by that is I had this woman um, that I interviewed for my book experience. Uh, the book comes with a book experience, a physical book. And she's a very experienced photographer in Florida, has been an artist basically her entire life. She's, um, I think, a little bit over 60 right now. She was a musician. She was a singer uh, for 20 years or 25 years. She had a great career. He made, she made a good amount of money. Then she switched to photography. And now she's been a very, very well-known portrait photographer. Um, but her real passion is actually photographing, I don't know, baby cubs, lion cubs in, in African safari or going to North Pole or South Pole. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing uh, what she's doing, but um, we were talking about artists being an artist as a profession. And she said that there are, there is this mindset around your kids being artists that you'll, they'll, they're destined for poverty. And, and she mm -hmm. said that it's not true. Um, and the reason that most artists end up in poverty, because there's so many artists, you know, actors, uh, painters, musicians who live very um, uh, modestly is because they don't commit to it and they don't make it a business because she thinks, and I agree with her, that there is a lot of money to be made between the poor artists and the Madonnas of the world. And you just need to know how to sell your craft. You just need to really love your craft and commit to it. And I think it's the same with business. We often start, you know, like a construction business. People start construction business because it's easy. Nobody really knows whether you know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> uh, and you just start and you kind of get experience along the way. But most construction businesses struggle. Most construction businesses live from payment to payment because nobody really sits down and thinks, okay, how are we going to manage cash? How are we going to make sure that we bring enough cash flow so that we can pay our workers regularly without delay and have profit? Yeah. It's just like, okay, how can I price this job and make a little money? Am I making money? I know I'm making money, but like, I don't know honestly how much I'm making. And then it kind of applies to many businesses. So I think the first mistake is not treating it as a business. There are business decisions that should be disconnected from emotion. And there are some business mindset that should be built around uh, what you're doing. And for example, uh, Susan, her name is Susan. She's a photographer in Florida that I talked about. She gave a great example of how often, let's say moms or women in general, um, okay, think, okay, I'm going to buy a really expensive camera and I'm going to be a photographer. I'll make some money on the side. The problem with that setup is that anyone with a good camera can be a photographer. The problem is that they don't understand what it is that they're delivering to the client. And so there was an example of this woman sitting in a, a hair shop, hair salon, talking about her, how she hired a photographer her, for her daughter's wedding. And the photographer, you know, did the wedding and gave her a stick. She was talking about a flash drive. And this woman was saying, what am I going to do with this stick? And so 
Susan, you know, she has a portrait studio in Florida. She's very successful. She doesn't sell sticks of photos. She sells a piece of art for your wall, a book for you to cherish the memories of an event. And yes, her services are a lot more expensive than a typical photographer that would do a wedding for you. But the deliverables are also much more meaningful to people mm-hmm. because she's committed to what she's doing. She loves being an artist. She loves delivering and seeing the smile on people's faces when they see what she, what she has created. And I think that that mindset shift, if I'm going to start something, I'm going to treat it as a business, is the first um, stepping stone into getting to build a business where you enjoy what you're doing. And you're also making good money doing that. The other issue that I often see is Googling everything and trying to DIY everything. And that's where, you know, there's an abundance, there's abundance of information, but the problem is that everyone has their own opinion and there's no one cookie cutter solution for every business. Yeah. And I often talk about it because I see it most of the time. Oh, legal zoom, you know, said I should be an LLC. Great. But with an LLC, you will actually pay the most amount of tax if you do nothing with it in, in a year or two. And so things like that are some, because we often, when we start business, especially women, when we start businesses, we have less capital sometimes, not, not generalizing, but that's what I've seen from my experience. Because of that, we're trying to save money. And so hiring an accountant who would spend some time with us or, and or an attorney and go through and support us and give us what we're looking to do. We don't, nobody does that. I've never had a client who said, I'm going to pay you, you know, X for guiding me through the startup process. It never worked that way. And so that's also another reason for the book so that it could be a plain English guide so that you at least have a starting point. Um, And it's not just my point of view. There are options there. There are stories there that I bring in from clients and I think that's also very important, not necessarily Googling everything, but also um, understanding what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's important. The third thing that I think is also critical is so many women set aside the financial side of things. It's kind of like fake it till you make it approach. Yeah. And And so what I usually say is don't fake it till you make it face it and face it early so that you actually have control over that. Yeah. Um, because that as goes, we grow, yeah. was, that, that goes deep though. And that's the work that I'm doing here on the podcast. I mean, sometimes it's stuff you may that's subconscious. You may not even be aware of it or, you know, if you are, it could be painful to bring up. Yeah, absolutely. And it is. And, but I, it goes, it just aligns really well with what I believe in. And what I believe in is, um, that every woman has to have some basic knowledge about finances, money, mm-hmm. taxes, regardless of the life, what life is or where it takes you, anything can change in a blink of an eye. And so it's important to really remember that you, especially when you become a mom, if you, if a woman becomes a mom, but not necessary, if something happens in your life and things change, you need to be ready to take reins in your own hands. And sometimes, you know, people can take advantage of you if you don't know what to do. And so um, your spouse can have um, a stroke or uh, a heart attack, or uh, you can get divorced or 
all of these things can happen. So taking charge, being in charge of your finances, or at least understanding what they look like and why we do things that, the way we do things, yeah. planning for the future, planning for the retirement, planning for, for the unplanned is critical. And that only comes with understanding the basics. And uh, I know we've talked about it kind of offline for a second, but I don't, I'm, I don't know. Math well is not an excuse. <laughs> hey, you were speaking my language. This is why I started the podcast to begin with. And I think there's a, there's a combination of financial knowledge and education that needs to be done. You know, let's, let's learn about what a 401k is and planning for our retirement and let's get some basic tax knowledge in there. Um, estate planning needs to be done. There should be some, you know, let's look at some risk management analysis and let's look at the whole, the picture as a whole, but let's also get some basic knowledge there. So you feel empowered as you start this process. But also I think that accompanying that there should also be, um, there should be some inner work that needs to be done as well around your beliefs. Because if you go into this with a scarcity mindset, you're not going (laughs) to, you're not going to earn what you, what you should what you should be earning, because when you believe that there's a limited amount of money to go around, then you're only going to bring in a limited amount of money. And I think that again, will, can set women or hold them back and keep them small from being able to, to live up to the true potential. So I think that there's some stories that need to be dissected. There's some uh, just general beliefs and knowledge about yourself. I think the the concept of learning more about ourselves and just having that, that awareness is really key. And yeah, I mean, it is personal growth on steroids here, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would love to uh, hear a little bit more about your experience in starting a business and just how you have been able to make your, or change your mindset and how you've been in, been able to position yourself to be in, in a place, opening yourself up for success. Um, so I actually, my dad has been, um, an entrepreneur, well, was an entrepreneur for the majority of his life. And, um, I remember him saying once, but this was already when I was in business, but I thought that was interesting. He said that he could never work for somebody else. And so I started analyzing kind of how my life and career evolved and I kind of became or was forced to become an entrepreneur um, when I went to college and I set some goals for myself. And one of those goals was to actually, let me back up for a second and let me tell you the whole story because I think it's a fun fun one. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer for as long as I can remember. And I came to the U.S., so I did two years of law school. There are five years total um, in Belarus. And when I came to the U.S., I still wanted to be a lawyer. So, but then in the U.S., it's a it's a graduate program. So I figured, okay, I'm gonna go get my undergrad, finish my undergrad, and then switch to go to law school afterwards. And when time came to choose a major in college and for my bachelor's, I thought, you know. And I was working as a, as a receptionist at the time, kind of, and the bookkeeper was teaching me to enter bills into uh, QuickBooks. And I thought, you know, I'll, yes, I could graduate faster with a degree in economics, but maybe I should pick accounting because then I'll have a choice. And in life, early in life, I learned that it's always great to leave yourself a choice for the future. So I wanted to leave myself a choice and I could be an accountant. I could be an economist. I could be a lawyer. I could be anything I wanted to be. And so 
I picked accounting and um, the college that I went to, they didn't have, um, they were known for like a nursing program, but their accounting department was really strong. And the professors in every accounting class would tell you if you're majoring in accounting, you might as well sit for the CPA exam. So I thought, hmm, let's do it, you know, whatever. And so somehow somewhere um, there, I fell in love with numbers. I fell in love with accounting, but also I think a huge role um, was played by the fact that I got a job as a full-time bookkeeper for the first year of that experience. So I was learning stuff at night and applying it the next day at school, in school. And yeah. I mean, in, at work. And so that was a complete, like an immediate connection for me in my, in my brain. And so about a year from then, from that point, I wanted to pursue my CPA and New York was changing rules for licensure in 2009. And so I, I wanted to graduate before they changed the rules so that I could get, be grandfathered in. So I started being more aggressive with the number of classes I took and, and completed every semester. And my full-time job just couldn't sustain it. They didn't want me to leave early and you know come in late and stuff like that, which I understand. But that kind of forced me to find, I found that there was much more demand for part-time bookkeepers than full-time. So and as a part-time bookkeeper, you could make $12 an hour, but as a part-time, you could make 25, 30. And so I got enough clients to keep me very busy and I became a true master of time management. And that's kind of where I think my first exposure to being a business owner happened. I needed to manage all these different clients, all the different companies, all these different industries, all these different leaders. So I've seen different leaders at play. I've seen how they make decisions, how um, their decisions affect their businesses. And so for me, that was a really phenomenal experience. And I excelled in both the work and the school. And one of my professors, accounting professors, my favorite professor, I took like five classes with her, said in the first class that, we t- that I took from her was principles of accounting. She said that excellence is a choice and so is mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't want to be mediocre. And <laughs> from that point on, I managed everything I did was with commitment to excellence. And, you know, when I graduated college um, for CPA licensure, and it's the same, you know, it's a similar setup for pretty, uh, pretty much every other license, you have to work for someone who's licensed. And so I kind of was dreading the, the whole thing, but I graduated at the time when nobody was hiring really. So it took a year um, while working for the clients and also sitting for the exam And by the end of that year, I found a job at a very small farm in New York City. And uh, I, uh, after six, I loved the work, but after six months working there, I realized that working for somebody else is just not for me. I want to have flexible schedule. I want to, I like to work in the evening. I can manage my own time. I'm very efficient when I set my goal to get something done. And so I don't need someone to, tell me that I should be there from nine to eight because that's tax season. If I get my work done in less time, I should be able to do that. And so I've worked there for about two and a half, three years, um, got enough experience to go back to being my own boss and the rest is history. (laughs) How has 
how, how, as you started to transition into working with clients of your own, have you run into any issues with confidence or, you know, imposter syndrome or anything like that, that some of those challenges that you see women struggling with pretty often, has that, did that come up for you? Um, it absolutely did in the first few years, especially when it came, came to pricing, I didn't know how much to charge. And then years later, I realized that I was charging way too little, which I think a lot of business owners starting out are guilty of imposter syndrome. Absolutely. There's something called, which I love, I actually reference it in my book, um, called the Dunning Kruger effect. Um, and it's a graph that kind of starts up high, then drops sharply down and then recovers slowly, almost never reaching that first peak. And so that's kind of how confidence and experience play together. So when you start out, your confidence level is super high, but then it drops uh, significantly quickly because you realize there's so much more to it. And it applies to pretty much every profession out there. There's so much more to know. Yeah. seems so easy on the surface, you know, dancing, um, the salsa seems easy on the surface, but there's so much more that goes into that. Yeah. It's the same in accounting. It's the same in law. It's the same in, in medicine. And so, um, I think that when I started out, I was very confident, but then it dropped <laughs> drastically down. And so I actually had a mentor, um, a re uh, retiring CPA, uh, that I had on speed dial so that I, didn't make mistakes. And so that I could run every, pretty much every single client situation by him and say, am I missing anything? So that I could provide almost, I don't want to, I mean, if that's the word that I use, per perfect service for the client, <laughs> excellent service, I guess is the word. Mm -hmm. And so, but a lot of professionals and a lot of uh, women who start businesses just stay in that um, imposter syndrome with no confidence for a while, even though they have the experience and the experience keeps growing. And that's, that's, really, um, that's really too bad because what I found, what helped me get out of the imposter syndrome, and that's something that I've just recently discovered as, as I worked with a um, life coach, was that you know I have three businesses, right? And I feel super confident in my tax business. I feel super confident in my book because I... I wrote a book. I took a workshop to write a book that changes lives. So I wrote a book with the intention of changing people's lives. And I put a lot of work into it. But my third business, the mom career pivot coach and my courses, even though that I know with my brain, with my intellect, that I know what I'm talking about, I still sometimes feel that imposter crawling in. So I think that, first of all, it's inevitable to have the imposter follow your syndrome, follow you from time to time. And it's important to just switch your mind to something else um, and not think about it, not let it kind of take you down this, um, down the spiral to, um, to the place of the, of no return. Uh, I think that it's super important, but also for me, the coach asked me a couple of questions and it was a practicing coach. So we were in groups of fellow students and the coach asked me, why do you feel confident in one business and not the other? And I said, well, you know, in my tax business, I know exactly where I'm going. I know who my target client is. I know what I'm doing. And I know that the service I provide is valuable service. And there is a path to it. There is a, a light at the end of the tunnel for this business. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel for my, for my book business as well. I want the book to be a classic on starting up a business. But then this business, what I've realized is what I was talking to her 
um, I realized that this business, I did not have any specific goals set up. And so I felt like an imposter because I kind of knew where I was going, but it wasn't specific. It wasn't measurable. It wasn't necessarily relevant or even just written out. Here's where I see my business going. Because once you see that light, you know where you need to go to get there. Anything, and now I use that as, a, as an exercise in my membership programs where we do a light at the end of the tunnel exercise. Setting goals does create a, an opportunity for a path for you to get there. And even though you may be, and oftentimes we often change course or correct course, you're still making every step the most efficient way and the, the best way that will get you to where you want to be. I think that also, but part of that is being clear on your non-negotiables. So like for a mom, like for me, it's important to be flexible and being more or less location independent. I don't want to be stuck in an office. I want to be able to pick up my kids, drop them off at the bus um, stop and, and so on. So there are things that I won't do. Um, and I think that many of us also women, we we fail to set those non-negotiables. Yeah. And we kind of let the clients drive our offer or drive our life. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, that's a boundary setting thing that comes with confidence. And what I will add to what you just said is that, you know, I think one of the biggest steps for overcoming imposter syndrome and confidence is to your point, it's kind of finding clarity on what your purpose is with this and remembering your why. So what is your ultimate mission? What is your goal? What are you, what are you trying to, what lives are you trying to change and how? And I think that when you realize that it's not all about you and you having, I think, you know, for a lot of women, what holds them back is this idea that they have to be perfect or that it has to look a certain way before you can put it out into the world. But when you realize that it's going to be messy at first, because again, you don't, you just talked about that Dunning-Kruger effect. I mean, yeah, it, there's so much that you don't know. So you that's going to happen and you just have to embrace that, but also realize that I'm doing this for a bigger purpose. And that's to, to change the world in whatever your own little way is. I think that is really that for me anyway, is kind of how I wrap my head around moving forward with all the things that scare me. Whether that's, you know, worrying about what other people think of me, which is mostly what it is, or this fear of, fear of failure, or the, I, and, and combining those two, having other people see me fail. That's one of my biggest fears. I realized that, you know, that's okay. It's okay if that happens, because you know, if I even change, you know, one or two other people's lives, then I've, I've set, I've accomplished what I set out to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. And changing lives doesn't mean you're or changing the world doesn't mean the entire world. It can be your community. It can be a community of moms. It could be um, your, your town or, or county or whatever. But for me, uh, you know, with, with the book, I want to change the world in a sense that I want to give moms enough and women, honestly, um, it's more for women and moms, an opportunity to dream bold and to know that if the, your dream doesn't scare the wits out of you, it's not a bold dream. So maybe, and I know that a lot of times we set aside our dreams for something that's uh, more low hanging fruit and so on. We settle for less, we settle for, for a certain role. 
um, I think that it's important to remember that it will our calling, our our purpose will keep calling on us until we answer. And I think that it's 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 almost impossible to silence that calling. And you just keep coming back to it, just like I keep coming back to go on a law school at some point. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, absolutely. It's it's the something in the universe is going to keep knocking at you until you you acknowledge it, right? And address it in some way. Tell us about your podcast. Um, so the podcast is called Talk to Tatiana. And um, I've actually recently restructured it. It used to be only stories of entrepreneurs. Uh, and their journeys and basically sharing their journeys and how every journey was different and how it was unique and the different lessons learned and kind of if I could do a do-over, if I, how could I do it better or would I do it better? Would I do anything different? But I recently restructured with season three, I restructured it and, and now it's half of the um, monthly release uh, episodes, release episodes as content. So nuggets of knowledge um, for someone who's either thinking of starting a business, wants to try things out on their own, have started a business, doesn't really know, doesn't really feel confident in it. Um, There's so much content, just like there's so much information, but I want to share it in small digestible pieces so that people who are just even maybe exploring it could get some answers um, to their questions. And then the other half of the podcast is One is an interview of an experienced entrepreneur to keep the um, inspiration going. And the second one is a person who is an almostpreneur, someone who wants to start a business, maybe wants to try things out as a self-employed, whatever you call it, um, they would come and get laser coached on the podcast and get their questions answered. And if they have this question, chances are that somebody else also does. And so... I found that to be a very um, great setup for, for my podcast. Really cool. I love that. I think that's, that's such a great way to also like build and give back to the community. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. So as we start to wrap up, I, I'm going to ask one last question that I ask to all of my guests. Um, and that's if you could leave one piece of advice to the audience, what would it be? When you make a choice today, leave a choice for the future. It can be business, it can be personal life related, but make a choice today so that you do have a choice in the future, not stuck with the choice that you've made years ago. I think that that's the best piece of advice that I was ever given. And I followed that uh, throughout my life. And I'm very fortunate that I don't have any regrets there were, there were things that didn't go as I planned, but I don't have regrets because I left room for myself to do something differently, to course correct if I needed to. And that really, I think, aligns with asking everyone who's listening to dream bold and make sure that your bold dream scares the wits out of you. Mm-hmm. I love it. I read something before that said, yeah, you're you're not dreaming big enough if whatever you're dreaming about doesn't scare the crap out of you. Yeah. You're staying safe, right? And that's not going to that's not going to challenge us or make us grow. So, or allow us to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was awesome. Now, please tell everyone how they can find you and follow the work that you're doing in the world. This is your chance to promote yourself. So, please go ahead. 
Absolutely. Thanks so much. Um, so you can connect with me on my website. There's a lot of resources, free um, things, book resources, and just information about the programs and the books that I work on. Um, my website is talktotatiana.com and it gets forwarded to Tatiana Sawyer in case you forget to how to spell my name. So talktotatiana.com um, and um, social media, Tatiana Sawyer, um, everywhere pretty much um, where social media exists. Um, buy my book. It's on Amazon and other fine retailers. Um, it's a great book. It's a book that a lot of entrepreneurs with experience said that they wish they had the bo that book when they started their business. So please connect and reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tatiana. It's been so fun talking with you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. <laughs>